we need volunteers. Um, as you saw in the clip, the families, um, there's a lot of them, and they face depression, isolation, fear, and shame. Not to mention, usually it's a the household person who's bringing in the income, so they've had a loss of income, and just the basic daily struggles of life. Um, the, visit, the video showed families dealing with incarceration is a very large field, and we want First Baptist Church Southern Springs to be a place of refuge for these families and a strong support system for the ex-offender, and in some cases, they may still be incarcerated. Um, I have a couple of scriptures I would like to read. One of the, the reasons that they, they mentioned is that the mandate is a biblical mandate to do this type of program. Matthew 2536. I was, a, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then Hebrews 13.3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. So please be in prayer on, of whether the God, God will lead you to be part of this ministry. Um, we're actually going to start the ministry on September 24th. It's going to be Thursday evenings, since we already have church and a meal that night. There are a couple of um, sign-up sheets, if you're in interested in volunteering, that I placed on the back table. Thank you very much. God bless you. That's what we're going to be doing. We, we will be meeting here in the sanctuary, um, and there will be um, lessons similar to what they're already doing in the fellowship hall, um, but it's more targeted toward the struggles of people who have loved ones that are incarcerated or ex-offenders. Um, and we'll probably be, along with this, starting some mentoring to come along. Well, basically, it's to come alongside families and give them a support system and help them out. It absolutely is an outreach. Huge ministry. Huge harvest field.
next song is called Oceans. Uh, we don't do it very often. I don't do it very often, because usually it requires a, a female voice, but uh, Miss Sherry Tiger uh, there has volunteered to sing this for us, and so she's going to lead us in Oceans.
I'm preaching today. I'm preaching today. Second string. Now the third string. Well, good morning. Sure good to see y'all here this morning. I mean, one of my favorite Christmas movies, and this is probably one of the dumbest Christmas movies, is a Christmas... That's it. That's absolutely it. Oh, by the way, I wanted, I wanted y'all to, uh, did y'all notice our newest, and I would probably argue cutest choir member this morning? Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Miss Zoe, for singing for us. I wanted to recognize her. She has done a magnificent job, along with everyone else, of course. But, and also, well, I'll get to you, Saga Tuck, in a minute. But a Christmas story, right? And so, what's the story? The guy wants to get, he wants to get a Daisy Red Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time, right? Have any, how many of you guys have watched the movie? All right. And for those that you haven't, go see it. it it's, it's because it's his, it's his story of the quest for the greatest Christmas gift ever. Right? right. And so I was, I was sitting at the kitchen table like last September, October with my dad. And uh, we got to talking about, you know, what we're gonna, planning to do for the holidays and kind of starting to get that lined up for the family. And he goes, what was the best Christmas gift you ever got? I said, oh, Dad, hands down. It was called the Johnny 7 OMA. And it was, it was a rifle, a plastic toy rifle that was seven guns in one. Yeah, I mean, it had rocket launchers. It had grenade launchers. It had, you know, it would fire caps. It would shoot bullets. I mean, any machine gun, anything you wanted to do, this, this little toy would do. And he said, that was the best gift you ever got? And I said, oh, yes, sir. He said, I wonder if you can still find one. I went on eBay and I found one still in the original box. And he said, buy it. I'm gonna give it to you for Christmas. <laughs> and so I bought my own Christmas gift last year. I got a Johnny 7 OMA for Christmas. And I, it's like in my gun safe now. It's, it's my, most prized, my most prized gun. And, and, and part of that was because I grew up thinking I always wanted to be a soldier. Right? I, I just, I did. We always played Army. I just thought it was the coolest thing to want to be a soldier. Because here you are, you're protecting others, you're doing, you're doing something honorable, you're doing something bigger and something outside of yourself. The Lord never did lead me that direction. And it's probably one of the regrets of my life is I never got to fulfill that dream. It's okay. I wanted you guys, if you don't mind, uh, turn into the book of Judges. And we're going to go over the story of one of the greatest soldiers ever. I mean, and a story that's um, still taught today, actually, in military academies. And it's the story of Gideon. How many of you guys know the story of Gideon? Several. Yep, several. And so the story of Gideon starts out like this. If you go back into the, end, the, the last verse of uh, chapter 5, and, and Judges chapter 5, the last verse says, Israel did great for 40 years and there was no prob problems in the land. And then the very first verse of chapter 6 says, but, or then, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And for seven years now, the country of Midian has been coming into Jerusalem or coming into uh, Israel, and God has been allowing 
them to be basically harassed because of the fact they've turned away from him. And you see this same cycle of, oh, we love God, and then, oh, we're going to go off and do our own thing, and then, oh, we love God because he's going to save us, and then we're going to go off and do it. You see the same cycle happen over and over and over again in, in ancient Israel. But in this particular case, they'd been for seven years, for seven years now, Midian and other countries have been coming in. And it basically says um, that it was so bad that the Israelites, uh, in verse 2, it said, Israel made for themselves dens or hideouts, which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. It was so bad that when they came in, they always came in at harvest time, whenever it was time to bring in the crops because why would the Midianites need to plant if the Israelites were going to do all the work for them? They'd steal the crops and they'd go on. Pretty simple, pretty easy, right? And it said that they came in like locusts. There were so many of them, you couldn't even count them. They were like bugs. There were so many of them that were invading the land. And so we find our hero um, Basically, coming in, let's see, in verse 6 it says, So Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's chapter 6, verse 6. Um, and it said in verse 7, And now it came about that when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet and said, um, Okay, you guys turn back to me, and we're going to get this thing right. We're going to skip down to verse 11. It says, and then an angel of the Lord came and sat under a tree in, or in Orphrah, which belongs to Joash, the Abizarite, and his son Gideon was beating wheat out in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. So you think about, how did they harvest wheat back then? So basically they would go and they would cut the stalk while it was still a little bit green. They would bind the stalk into sheaves. They would stack the sheaves up and they would basically allow them to dry until the point where the wheat seed would fall out. And then they would take and they would beat the sheaves on the ground or beat them with a stick, or they would have their, actually their mules or oxen or whatever walk over the top of them on a threshing floor up on top of a hill, and that would get the seed away from the, the stalk. They would throw away the stalk, but what was left was the seed and the husk that's around the seed called the chaff. And the way they would separate that is the, their thrashing floor would be up on top of a hill and they would take a shovel and they would throw the seed up into the air. And the chaff, which was really light, like really small fine pieces of confetti, would blow off to the side in the wind and the heavy seed would fall straight down. And they would just keep doing that over and over and over again until there was no chaff coming off. And they would do this on top of the hill because that's where it's windy, right? Well. If you're on top of a hill making a lot of dust, guess who can see you? Yeah, I mean somebody who might want your wheat more than you, like the Midianites. And so we find out here this angel, he comes and sits down under an oak tree, and here's our mighty warrior, Gideon. He's inside a wine press. Now a wine press is a hole in the ground, basically where they would stomp wines to, to extract the juice, right? So can you imagine how hard it is to be in a hole in the ground, throwing up wheat, trying to get a little bit of chaff to go off to the side? Because he's scared, he doesn't want anybody to see him. The angel walks up to him and he says, hey Gideon, you mighty valiant warrior. You think Gideon thinks he's a mighty valiant warrior? 
scared no. in a hole. He's scared in a hole, right? Seven years, this has been going on, like years and years. He's like, how do we, how do we get enough to even eat? How do we even get enough to eat? And, and here this guy is calling me a mighty warrior. And let's look at Gideon's response. Um, let's see here. Okay, in verse 14, the Lord looked at him and said, Go in your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, How shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Basically what he's saying is, look, you're coming to me. You want me to go and deliver this whole country. And I'm the youngest member of the weakest house of the weakest tribe. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. Is what Gideon's telling him. Right? How many times have we been assigned jobs or does the Spirit tell us to go do something and we say, Lord, you got the wrong guy. There's no way I can do this. I'm just this puny little person who's got this problem and this problem and this problem and oh, you don't know what my family's like, right? And, got, and, and here are the angels calling him, O mighty valiant warrior. So Gideon, basically, what ends up happening, Gideon goes and he prepares a meal and he, gets, he understands now that this is an angel of the Lord. And so he says, all right. And so basically Gideon comes to the resolution that, okay, something is going to happen. And then it says the Spirit of the Lord talks to him and he said, but first, we've got to get some things right. He said, your dad has an altar to, a, to an idol that you've got to go tear down. And, and also, I want you to take one of his prized bulls, actually two of his prized bulls, and I want you to sacrifice them to the Lord. This is Gideon's first job. You know what he does? He goes in the middle of the night, he grabs a couple of his dad's servants because he's scared. He goes in the middle of the night, he cuts down the pole, does everything he's supposed to do, but he does it in the dark. But he is obedient. But he is obedient. He cuts down the Asherah pole, uses that wood now as to burn the sacrifice of a seven-year-old bull and a younger bull. And next morning, the townspeople wake up and says, wait a minute, who, 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 who burned down our pole to Baal? And so they start investigating and they find out, oh, it was Gideon. And so the, the, the townspeople actually come marching to Gideon's house and they said to Gideon's dad, said, Dad, send your son out here. He destroyed, our, he destroyed our temple. He destroyed our altar. Now, I can imagine the dad wasn't really all that thrilled with Gideon having him burned up a couple of his bulls. Right? Can you imagine? I mean, I, I don't know that I would be all that happy if we've got my sons actually pulled cattle out of the pasture and just started burning them. Right? Probably not the best thing. But he understood what was going on. And he said, well, if Baal is this strong, let Baal fight his battles. Why do you guys need to come and take Gideon out and beat him up and kill him? Baal's, if Baal's such a good God, he can do this on his own. And finally the people leave. You can see how this is 
starting to move Gideon closer into God. The next thing he does is he starts assembling all of the troops of Israel. And this is a place where I, I think we sometimes lose sight of numbers in the Bible. Because, you know, we can read through the stories and, and you, you kind of see how things are moving, but at the same time, I think we kind of lose sight. And so he blows his little trumpet and all the tribes of Israel come together and all their warriors. And um, can you guys find out how many of them showed up? First time, do you remember? Nope. Let me see if I can find my little sheet here. So there were 32,000 men showed up. Now, I don't know if you guys know how many 32,000 is. So what I did was I took, and, and, and uh, Wendy was wondering what I was doing in the office this week printing all these papers. But so what I did was I made an X for each man, 32,000 men. And so there's 50 men lined up to a line. And so where'd, where'd my helpers go? I had a couple boys lined up to be helpers. Come on up here, boys. I want you guys to, so um, just to show you how many men 32,000 men is. So can you, can you unroll that for me? And let's, let's see how far, how far that is. So each one of these is little X's. Can you hold it, hold it up high? Hold it up high so everybody can see. So here's 32,000 men. And all he did was blow his little trumpet, but they'd had enough of the Midianites where they were ready to say, okay, let's go to battle. Right? You think, look how many little X's that is. Right? Yeah, let's, let's not do, let's not do the, the mouth thing, all right, the little, the little toy thing. All right? But look how many X's that is. So when we read the Bible, you can set this down on the floor here, or just set it down. When you, read, when you read the Bible, we sometimes lose sight of just how many men showed up. And then God said, well, okay, Gideon, yeah, I'll, I'm going to call you back. We'll have some more in a minute. So God said, well, Gideon, um, it's really great that all these guys showed up. He said, uh, but you got too many. You got too many. He said, the problem is, is if you have this many men and you win the battle, the men are going to think, oh, man, look what we did right and so the first thing he says is just go in front of the men and tell them anybody that's scared or anybody that just doesn't want to be here go on to the house and so 22,000 left and just went home and so he's left with 10,000 men 10,000 men doesn't look like that many now does it no, you can do it, you can hold it in one hand, right? God said, well, I'll call you back in a minute. All right. God said, mm, Gideon, that's really cool. Still got too many. He said, take them down to the stream and have them drink. And so he did, and he said, and watch how they drink. And he said, those that bend over and they lap up water like a dog, send them home. And those that basically kneel down and cup the water in their hand and drink from their hand, he said, I want you to keep those. And I think there's a reason for that. If you think about, if you kneel down and you're drinking like a dog, what can you see? Nothing. Nothing. If you're like this, your hand on your sword, drinking from your hand, what do you see? Everything. Everything. He took the warriors that were alert to what was going on. 
right? You remember how many were left? 300. You know how many that is? Six lines on one page. Six lines on one page. You think about this. From 32,000 men, six lines on one page, and he says, we're going to go and defeat an army that you can't even count. How can that be? Do you think Gideon had questions about whether or not this was really even possible? Would you? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gideon says, all right, God, I, I understand. I, I know you've got this really big job for us, and, and, and I know that you're powerful. But he said, I've I, I got to have some help here, man. My faith is just not that big. And so he says, I, I need this sign. He said, tomorrow morning, I'm going to put this, this fleece from this sheep out in front of the tent. And if you don't mind, what I'd really like to see is that that fleece be soaking wet and all the ground around it be dry. So he goes to bed. He comes back out, picks up the fleece, wrings it, and just like buckets of water come out of it. Would that be enough sign? Maybe, maybe not. For Gideon, it wasn't. He said, all right, God, okay, God, I got, God, I got it. I, I understand. You did, very good, man. That was so good. He said, but tomorrow, let's do things a little different. I'm going to put the fleece out. You, I want it to be dry, and I want the ground to be soaking wet. Just the opposite, right? Surely he can't do it both ways. Goes out the next morning, fleece is completely dry. Ground is soaking wet. So he says, all right, God, I got it. I understand. This is something you really want us to do. And in fact, God doesn't even just stop there. God says, you know what? You haven't even asked for this, but I've got one more sign for you. And this sign is, I want you to sneak down and listen at the edge of the Midianite camp. And so the Midianites moved in and they were camping in a valley, and around the valley is kind of like there's this plateau that kind of goes around the side of the valley. And so Gideon and his trusted servant sneak down up next to where the sentries of the Midianites are, and, 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 the Midian, and he hears them talking. He's sitting there in the dark, and he's listening. And one of the Midianite soldiers goes, he said, man, you won't believe this. Last night, I had the freakiest dream. He said this big roll of barley bread came rolling into the camp and knocked over the tents and just destroyed everything. And his friend says, well, you know that means that Gideon has already defeated us. And Gideon is sitting out in the dark listening to this. You see, God gave him a sign even when he didn't ask for it, and he gave him that extra boost of confidence. So what Gideon does is he gets up middle of the night. God already tells him what to do. You know what his plan of action was? He had 300 men, right? And he had this, this valley, and on three sides of it were kind of closed in with a, with a plateau. And so he takes 100 men here, 100 men here, and 100 men with him. And he gives them each a trumpet, a torch, and a clay pot. And of course, they had their sword. And you think, wow. I'm, I'm thinking like hand grenades, you know, RPGs, mortars, you know, big artillery. No. A trumpet, a clay pot, a torch, and their sword. 
quite a battle plan, right? Quite a battle plan. He said, all right, we're going to line up around the top. You light your torch. You stick the clay pot over the top of it. And when I, when I give the sign, he said, start blowing your trumpet and yell and break the pot. So they're standing there with their little torch with the little pot on top, and they're waiting for the sign. And all of a sudden, Gideon blows his horn. All 300 men take their swords, smash, whoops, smash the pot. Sorry, Chris. Smash the <coughs> pot, blow their horn, and say, for God and for Gideon. Now, have y'all ever, what happens when you put a fire inside an enclosed space? Y'all ever done that? So one of the things, any, any firefighters in here? Have you ever heard the term backdraft? Okay, so what happens is in a house, if you have like a smoldering fire in a house, and you have to be very careful as a firefighter about opening the door or breaking a window because basically it's starved for oxygen and the fire is just sitting there just primed and ready to go and there's no oxygen for it. And that's basically what happened in these pots. The fire was up there primed and ready to go, but there couldn't get any oxygen into the torch. And as soon as they broke those torches, it was almost like an explosion happens. You've probably may have even seen the movie called Backdraft, right? It's called a Backdraft. And so actually, it's strong enough to where it, it can blow a house apart. And you have to be really careful. I, we did firefight, industrial firefighting, and that was one of the uh, big things we were always worried about is when we open a piece of equipment, do we have a smoldering fire inside that's basically going to blow you to pieces, right? Same thing happened with Gideon. When they broke those torches, it was like, whew. And they start blowing their horns and yelling, 300 men. And it said the Midianites were just scared to death. Didn't know what was going on. They remembered, now, the word had already kind of gotten through the camp that Gideon was there. And they start killing each other. And the next thing you know, these 300 men have won a victory without ever swinging a sword other than to break a pot. And the army takes off running in confusion. What's left of it? About half of them had died already there in the camp. It's amazing. Right? It's amazing. Little 300 men. Any idea how many men they were fighting against? How many Midianites and, and outsiders there were? Anyone want to take a guess? Wild guess? 100,000? No, actually, 135,000. Tell you what, boys, come here for a second. One of, one of you. Let me show you how many 135,000 is. Um, yeah, why don't you just walk, start walking down the aisle with that? Let's see here. Just keep, uh, let's try it this way. Okay, keep going. Keep going, keep going. Go down the aisle. Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Yep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Y'all got a ways yet. You're about halfway. Do what? Yeah, I do own stock in a paper company. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keep going, keep going, keep going. We still got more to go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, we're getting close. 
There we are. So, 135,000 men. All these little X's. Did you make it out the door? You probably could, just about, right? Just about. Yeah, it's right God's army. Those that are defeated. Right? Hallelujah. You think about how does that happen? Right? It doesn't happen. Thank you, guys. It doesn't happen without the power of God. So it took, I think it was 78 pages of paper to do that. So you can figure they're roughly a foot a piece, so you figure about 75 feet of paper to do that. Right? And when you go through and you read the story in the Bible, you kind of lose track of, oh, right, yeah, he had 32,000, then, then 22,000 left, then 10,000, then 300. You read the story, but the numbers don't really sink in. Just how great the victory is in God. Amen. Right? We just lose sight of it. I mean, because our little brains don't really even think in those terms. And so my question is, as we come to Gideon, do you think he wants us to have the same kind of victories? Amen. And my answer is, I believe he does. Amen. I believe he's still raising men and women up for these same kind of battles. Some of them spiritual, some of them physical. I think he's still raising men and women up and still calling men and women into his service. We talked about another ministry here that we're going to be starting just here in the not too distant future, right? Is that, is that the battle he's calling you to? I don't know. But he does. But there are some key things that have to happen first. Number one is, is there something standing, an idol or something else standing between you and God's service? And it may be that you have to take care of that in the middle of the night because you're just scared and you're not sure. Or it may be that there's somebody else who, just like Gideon had a friend when God gave him a sign that this is where I want you to be, he took a trusted buddy down with him to go listen to the same thing, right? It may be that there's a friend that's going to come alongside of you, but the key thing is when God calls us, first thing is what's standing between me and him? The second thing that was, I think, holding Gideon back was how did Gideon see himself? as the weakest man of the weakest tribe, right, and the youngest of that. When God looks at you, what do you think he sees? He may see a mighty warrior, right? He may see a mighty warrior. It's the same sort of thing. I mean, when we think about, oh, I'm not good enough to get to God, when God looks down at us, when he, when he sent Jesus, he didn't, come, he didn't see us as sinners. He saw us as his creation that needed some help. Absolutely. The thing is, is we look at things from this side and we know how messed up we are. God looks down at us and he sees what we can be. And my challenge this morning is... Don't stand in the way of what God sees us and we can be. Amen. Let's take care of the things that stand between us and him. I think one of the reasons why God, or let me back up. 
I think small churches and small organizations have a very special place in God's kingdom. Amen. We can, when we accomplish something and the outside world sees it, they say, how in the world could that ever be? Right? It would, they talked about, was it Lakewood Church with 43,000 members every Sunday morning? If they, create, if they do something that's amazing, it's like, well, they're Lakewood Church. If we did something amazing, it's like, only God. Amen. Right? Amen. The weakest, the smallest, those are the ones God chooses to use. You think about Jesus himself, born in a stable. And even when his friends, when he was preaching in his hometown, his guys go, oh, that's that carpenter's son? Yeah, we know about him. He was, he's a little weird, right? Yeah, he's just a weirdo. Don't, don't, don't worry with him, right? We sometimes let the world tell us what we're to be instead of listening to what God wants us to be. My challenge this morning is, if God's calling you to something, let's find the thing that separates us from him, get rid of it, sacrifice to him, look for the amazing victory. Amen. All right. Yes, sir. I think you just, uh, when you first opened, you said you always wanted to be a soldier. Yes, sir. I think you are a soldier for God. hope so. And that's Amen. a better one. I hope so. You know, I... I I've come to realize that, uh, you know, battles are spiritual. I understand that. Absolutely. 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 But it doesn't come without discipline. It doesn't come with a lot of, lo a lot of the other things. No, I think so. The thing is, what is he calling each of you to do? All right. Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you and we just thank you for the example of Gideon. Lord, we just thank you for a man who, Lord, I guess in his own eyes was so small that in, in insignificant, Lord, he had to hide in a hole. But Lord, that you pulled him out of that and you made him a great and mighty warrior. Lord, you already predicted what he was going to be just when you called him out. And Lord, I just thank you for being a God who calls us into uh, do magnificent things, Lord. And I, and I just pray that as we look for those battles, Lord, and as you show them to us and you reveal them to us, Lord, if, if we're unsure, Lord, you're big enough to handle our questions, Lord. If we need to place a fleece outside and understand what it is, Lord, to have you give us a sign, I, I just pray that you give us the boldness to come before you and to ask for that. Lord, even more so than that, if there's something standing between us and you, Lord, I just pray that you make that abundantly clear. Lord, I just pray that you help us to remove that, and Lord, you give us the boldness and the courage, Lord, to stand firm. And Lord, when the time comes and we are, and we are chasing our enemies through uh, the desert country, Lord, I just pray that you'll give us the strength to carry forward in the battle, and Lord, that you'll be placing valiant warriors around us, Lord, to accomplish that task. Lord, I just thank you for being a God who's so great, Lord, a God who's so merciful, but Lord, a God who's so loving, but Lord, also a God that rescues. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together this morning. And if uh, you'd like to come down and pray for something you'd like to pray about, or come to the altar and pray, this would be the right time.
such a blessing. So I do want to give them a bit of a shout out and just say thank you all so much. God's good. God's good. It's all about victory, right? Don't lose sight. The battles may be huge. The battles may be huge. Our God's bigger. Our God is bigger. Let's pray and then we'll go. Lord, we do thank you for being a God, Lord, who is abundant in resources. Lord, a God who is looking out for our best interest, Lord, but mostly a God that just loves us so dearly. And Lord, I just pray that whenever things stand in between us and you, Lord, that we be quick to get rid of them, Lord, that we be quick to tear down those idols, Lord, and to move closer to you. And Lord, I just, I look forward to the mighty things that you're going to allow each of us to accomplish, Lord, that you allow us to accomplish as a church. Lord, I just pray that you be with Frank and Sherry. Is there a way? I just pray that you give them your blessings and travel, Lord, that you'll give them rest. But Lord, most of all, I just be praying that you be strengthening them for the next things that come. Lord, I just thank you for this church, and I just pray that your spirit will move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Mm -hmm.